Well, please turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be finishing chapter 1 this morning as we are moving through the gospel according to Mark in our series called The Cross-Shaped Life. And so if you're going to be using one of the Bibles that we provide underneath the chair in front of you, it's on page 1064, Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45. This is God's holy and true word. A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we get to look into your word now and see yet another thing about our Lord Jesus that makes him glorious and majestic and powerful that makes him our savior and our shepherd father we do pray that you would fill us with your spirit now that as we see these things they would transform us into his likeness we pray that you would use this time even now to equip us to take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations in word and in deed for it is in jesus name that we pray amen we talk about compassion this morning, cross-shaped compassion, the type of compassion that Jesus showed to people and that we, by the Holy Spirit, can show to others as well. I heard a story about compassion. In fact, I read about it uh, recently about a man named Patrick Green. This man was an atheist and uh, an outspoken atheist. In fact, he was pretty aggressive towards Christianity and even filed some lawsuits against the county that he lived in because the county had a nativity scene out in front of the courthouse. And so this man was known in his town and in his county as somebody who was speaking out against Christianity. And he ended up finding himself in a precarious situation. He'd been a cab driver for about 33 years. He didn't have a lot of money and he didn't have health insurance and he was diagnosed with cataracts. And if you know what cataracts are or is, sorry, I don't know how to quite do that grammatically, but if you know what cataracts does, uh, it, uh, it prevents you from being able to see, basically, unless you have surgery. And if you're a cab driver, that means that you can't continue to work. And so again, he's got no insurance, he's got no money, he's in a very desperate situation. He is in need. And a woman named Jessica who knew that this man was so outspoken against Christianity, uh, felt in her heart a desire to help. And so uh, she was a Christian. She went to her church and she said that this man needs our help. And the church uh, gathered a collection 
wasn't a very big church, but they gathered up as much as they could and they gave it to him and said, this is to help you with your medical bills. And other churches and other people in the area found out what they had done and they did likewise. And even some of this man's friends who were atheists themselves felt like, well, we'll we'll give too. And it started this landslide of giving. And in the end, uh, his medical bills were completely covered and he was able to get his surgery, which was wonderful news. But even Greater news than that was that this compassion that he saw really shook up his doubts about God. And in the end, he gave his life to Christ and became a Christian because of the compassion that he saw towards him. He understood much more about the compassion that Christ has shown us on the cross and it changed him. Compassion compassion does that. It's powerful. When we see someone helping someone in need, uh, it is a powerful thing. When we see someone demonstrate the gospel, as we like to say here, gospel demonstrating, demonstrating that Christ is our Savior through our deeds. And the reality is that one of the most special and amazing things about what Christ does in and through his followers is he, he makes us more compassionate. And we talk about how the Christmas season will usually make people do more compassionate acts around this time of year. But while the Christmas season may bring about some compassionate acts, Christ makes us into compassionate people to the praise of his glorious grace. And so our our gospel fact for today is that the cross-shaped life is a life of compassion toward people who are suffering. As we still, uh, as we continue to look to Christ and, and let the cross loom larger and larger in our life, it makes us more compassionate towards people who are suffering. And so let's look at this today. Uh, I want to look at three things. I want to talk about the leper's condition and then Christ's compassion and the power of the cross. The leper's condition the Christ's compassion and the power of the cross. Look first at verse 40. And keep your Bibles open. We're just going to look at this text. I want you to be able to see uh, things in black and white there. Okay, so talking about the leper's condition, look at verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, in other words, if you want to, you can make me clean. And what we want to see here is that the leper's condition, the leper's physical condition, illustrates our spiritual condition. The leper's physical condition is a powerful illustration of our uh, spiritual. I'm sorry. The leper's physical condition is a power, il- powerful illustration of our spiritual condition on account of our sin. Okay, uh, this is uh, this is a theme that's been developed by Mark all through the passage. This fact that the physical helps us understand the spiritual. The physical things that we can see, we can feel, we can touch, we can smell. The physical things help us to understand the spiritual things which we can't necessarily see. And we've seen this in the baptism of the people as well as Christ's baptism. The water being physical is a, is a representation of the spiritual cleansing that we experience by Christ and his blood on the cross. So we've seen that there. We've also seen that last week when Pastor Michael was preaching about when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And we see that the physical representation of her being healed and restored and then serving is a picture of what happens spiritually as Christ restores us to the way that we were meant to be. And so again, we see this here with leprosy. And it's very interesting that at the outset of Christ's ministry, we see him do battle with the ultimate demon, Satan himself, and he triumphs over him in the wilderness. 
And now at the end of chapter one, we see Jesus doing battle with the ultimate disease. Leprosy, a very, very tragic and terrible disease. And that shows us that that helps us make that connection. Also, what helps us make the connection between the physical and the spiritual is the fact that the word clean is used. Look at your Bibles and look at the end of verse 40, the end of verse 41 and the end of verse 42. You're going to see that each sentence ends with the word clean. Now, that's really important there. And anytime we see something repeated in Scripture, especially in that short time frame, we got to know that that's important. That's a key thing for helping us understand this. That word, the Greek word is katharizo. It almost sounds like catharsis. And some of you may know that that's sort of the idea of being released from some very repressive emotions. Okay, it's not a not a bad way to begin understanding it, but it goes farther than that. This word, this Greek word that is used to mean clean or made clean here, it's a word that Jesus uses in Matthew 23 to refer to physical cleansing of a cup when he's talking to the Pharisees. So it's a word that can mean something physically being cleaned, but it's also a word that can refer to someone being spiritually cleaned, their sin being washed away. In fact, that's what John says in 1 John chapter 1. He talks about the blood of Christ cleansing us of our sin. So you see you have this word that means both physical and spiritual type cleansing, which helps us understand why this man came. And instead of asking to be healed, he asked to be cleansed. And the reason is that his leprosy is, was, is designed to be a powerful illustration of our spiritual condition as sinners apart from Christ we are we are like lepers covered in our own sin now if we want to see that we can look at the ways that leprosy was affecting this man and we see how that is very similar to the way that sin affects us like for example first off physically speaking the man was covered in something that we might as well just be honest it was covered in something that was very disgusting in fact look at look at your bible look at that word leper that word leper is actually the Greek word lepros, which does not necessarily mean leper in the sense that the, what we know it today, the, the actual disease of leprosy. What it really meant at this time was a person covered in scales or scabs. That's what that word means. Lepros means scaly or scabby. And so l- literally what this is saying is a man covered in scales and scabs came up to Jesus. And what we know from history and even people that do contract leprosy today is it is a horrific disease that you do wind up covered with all sorts of disgusting things that it doesn't make the person disgusting. No, it doesn't do that even close to doing that because everybody's made in the image of God. But what is covering them is disgusting and that if we will let it, we can see that that points to sin when we sin as all the sin that we've committed. It's really like a disgusting covering that we have upon us. Are we disgusting to God? No, but is our sin? Absolutely. And in order to understand Christ and his compassion, we have to see that we have to recognize that about ourselves that our sin is on us. It is making us disgusting emotionally too. Uh, leprosy was emotionally disastrous. You can see this in the text too. look at look at the, the word there. It says imploring. He came to Jesus imploring him. So he wasn't just asking for help. He is begging, begging, pleading. He, Mark uses this word about nine times in his gospel. And virtually every time it's referring to somebody begging for something. 
So you can just see the emotional pain in this man's life. He is absolutely at his wit's end. He cannot live like this anymore. He comes to Jesus and he says, please. He begs him with everything that he had inside of him. And that points us to the emotional disaster that we experience as we get caught up in sin. We feel this guilt and this shame and we walk around feeling guilty and feeling shameful and it weighs us down and we, we, we want nothing more than just to be free from it. We want it off of us. That's what guilt is. When we feel that feeling of, oh, I just want to be free from this. I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I could change this. Oh, I want, it, I want this erased. You know how that feels. I know how that feels. And what's tragic is we... We end up turning to things in order to try to forget it. Uh, we end up turning to all sorts of things, to drugs, to sex, to alcohol, even to playing hours and hours of video games just to forget the fact that we're covered in something disgusting. We will do just about anything to try to forget it. And this man surely had probably tried many, many things to forget it as well, but he could not forget it. Socially, it was devastating as well. Um, it, you see this in, in the fact that he's kneeling. He's absolutely humiliated. He runs to Jesus and he falls to his knees. That word literally means to fall on one's knees because he's absolutely humiliated about the condition that he's in. And uh, this is to help us understand this a little more. Uh, this is Leviticus 13, 45 and 46. This is the life that a leper was forced to live for the sake of the people who did not have leprosy. Look at this. Leviticus 13, 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let their let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So on account of this man's leprosy he's isolated he's on his own he's absolutely humiliated if anybody even comes near he has to shout out unclean in fact uh, some scholars believe that lepers used to throw rocks at you if you were coming near not to hit you but to try to get you to go the other way because they just did not want to have to say unclean and this is what happens as we get caught up in sin, this is why our gracious Heavenly Father calls us to repent of our sin and turn from our sin because we wind up being isolated. We wind up being uh, feeling horrible and feeling humiliated. We wind up drawing back and really making ourselves lepers where we're basically away from people, trying to keep people at a distance because the last thing we want to do is for people to find out that we are unclean. So we hide I'm going to tell you something. Um, and the reason I'm going to tell you it is because I want you to know that I, I know how this feels. And for those of you who uh, wrestle with guilt, uh, I, I know how that feels. And you need to know that your pastor and that all your pastors have made big mistakes. So I'm going to tell you about a big mistake that I made and how it helped me understand uh, the compassion of Christ when I was in seminary. Um, so training to be a pastor. There was an exam coming up and I happened to see a couple of the answers uh, through a, a long story that I don't need to get into because the main point is 
I knew immediately I really I should do something about this. I should tell the professor. I should go to the professor and say I'll need a different test. I should do something. But I totally uh, gave in to temptation. I just went and I took the test. And um, I mean, I just totally failed. I mean, I passed the test, but, you know, I totally failed in that moment uh, with for integrity. And, and immediately afterwards, oh, man, I... I can relate to that guy. I remember, I can remember uh, the, the the feeling of disgust and to know that I knew the gospel. I knew God loved me, but I, I knew I just felt like this was on me, and it was just it was driving me mad. It, it not only did I feel disgusting, but I you know I was feeling this guilt and the shame. Oh man, I was beating myself up so bad the devil didn't even have to open his mouth. Yeah, I was I was taking care of it. I was talking about how could you do this? How could you do this? You're training to be a pastor. Maybe you're not called to ministry. I mean, it was it was so brutal, and I just wanted nothing more than just to be free of it. I just I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't handle it. Socially, the same thing as leper. It made me isolate myself. I began to draw back. I began to not hang out with my friends at seminary. I mean, how could I? How could I stand and talk to these guys? And, 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 be, and be comfortable with the fact that I know that I stand there unclean and I desperately, I just didn't want them to know that I had done what I'd done and I just prayed nobody would ever find out. And so I ended up isolating myself. I wasn't hanging out with my friends as much. I was drawing back and it was, it was just absolutely uh, devastating. It was one of the worst things in my life and um, I'll never forget it for two reasons. One, because of the fact that it hurt so bad that I had done that, but also the way that I experienced some incredible uh, compassion because the reality is um, I see it now. I see how God was gracious to me in leading me through all these things that the leper did here. So we can take some really good lessons from a leper, either the one in the text or the one behind the pulpit right now. This is what happened. I... Um, Number one, we see that this this leper recognizes his condition. He's not hiding it. He's not pretending it's not the way it is. He's acknowledging he needs to be healed. He needs to be made clean. And so he's honest about it. And so that's one of the things that we need to do. And I, by God's grace, realize this has got to, you know, I've got to do something about this. I've got to, I've got to do anything that it takes because I'm in a horrible condition and I need something done. And so then what also we see about this leper is he trusts that Jesus can do something. Notice that he doesn't go to Jesus and say, you know, I don't know if you can do this or not what he says is i know you can he says if you want to you can make me clean and so it just is incumbent upon us as sinners to to trust in christ and know that he can that's what he does and so by god's grace i trusted i knew jesus would do something i knew that he'd already paid for my sin on the cross but i knew i if i just trust him something is going to happen he will cleanse this from me and i began to plead with him I can remember standing at the window in our apartment with that palm tree outside and I just remember just pleading with Jesus, just just make it so that this never happened or something. And I remember that feeling and it was just, I knew as I pled with him, I knew he was going to do something. And then uh, we see that the leper also, after he pleaded with Jesus, he, he, he humbles himself by kneeling. And I remember humbling myself and just saying, Jesus, I'll do whatever. Uh, and I, I felt very strongly. I was I was 100% convinced that I should go and tell my professor what happened and and deal with the consequences. And so I did. 
And um, I went in to his office and I explained to him what had happened. And uh, I wept and I just said, you know, I'll do whatever. I will drop out of seminary if you think I should. I will retake the class if you think I should. I will retake the test if you think I should. Just tell me what to do. And he said, you are forgiven. And I said, yeah, I know. But what do I got to do? I mean, I want to, I need to do, I have to do something, don't I? Shouldn't I like take the test at least again or something like that? And he said, no, maybe you didn't hear me, Matt. You are forgiven. It's over. You're clean. And I remember I was like, it was, it was, I was in disbelief for a little bit, but I was feeling like this is unbelievable. Why is he doing this? He doesn't have to do this. And, and so suddenly I'm just feeling all this rush of, of freedom. It was unbelievable. I mean, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that moment. I felt like I was no longer disgusting. I felt like all this guilt just, just evaporated into thin air. And I felt like I wanted to run and tell my friends. I didn't. Uh, tell them till later. But anyway, I was like, I, I, I was finally around them again. And I was, I was just realizing this is so amazing. And I was realizing this too. Until somebody had had compassion on me, I had a hard time really understanding the depth of Christ's compassion on me. And that made it so real. And it changed me. Just like it changes all of us when we really feel it and get it let's talk about christ's compassion look at 41 through 44 look at him look at him it says moved with pity he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him i will in other words i want to do this be clean and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean and jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what moses commanded for a proof to them see here's the thing christ's compassion towards this leper illustrates his compassion towards us the sinners Okay, his compassion towards this leper, you have to see this is the way he's been compassionate to you and me on account of our sin or to pay for our sin. This this word moved with pity, the word pity can be translated either as pity or compassion. You see it translated both ways. But what's amazing is moved with pity or moved with compassion is one word in Greek. It's one word. And it's a word that comes from another root word which refers to the entrails or the guts of an animal that's been sacrificed. In other words, it's it's a feeling that comes from deep within a person. So Jesus, as he looked at this leper, Jesus, as he looks at us, the lepers, he he feels our pain. He feels that that guilt and that shame. He feels that that anguish that we are in. He knows how we feel. He can feel it himself. And it causes him to take action. And that's the thing. This is what's so amazing. This is a verb. This word in the Greek is a verb. Meaning to have compassion is to take some sort of action. Jesus shows us here that compassion is not a feeling. It's a verb. It's, it's to take action. We see this several times in Matthew and Luke and Mark. Whenever, it's, whenever the text refers to the compassion of Christ, he does something right afterwards every time. And just in the book of Mark, we see that here in verse 41, we see after he, he has compassion, he heals this man, he cleanses him. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, he has compassion on a crowd and begins immediately 
immediately to do something. He teaches them. Uh, we see in Mark chapter 8 that it, it, he, is, uh, he comes on another crowd. It says he has compassion on them and he does something. He feeds them. And then uh, we see also in Mark chapter 9 that he sees a person who has a demon and he does something about it. He exercises the demon. In other words, the English definition of compassion is of failure. This is the English definition of compassion. Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. You see what that does there? That makes it just a feeling. That means if I feel bad because somebody's hurting or suffering because of their own sin or because of the sin of others, that, that, I, that I'm being compassionate. But what we see here is this falls short because every time Jesus had compassion, he did something about the person on whom he was having compassion. And so we need to fix this definition and make it biblical. Here it is. Uh, compassion, true compassion, is actually sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others, followed by action. Which is convicting to me, and I'm sure it's convicting to you, to know that feeling bad about somebody's suffering is not actually compassion. If we're going to have compassion, we're going to have to do something. Now, uh, what Jesus does here is so instructive. He, he, he touches him. This is, this is amazing. The fact that he reaches out and touches him. And not only that, but it's the Greek word hapto, which, which don't, doesn't just mean to touch. It means to grasp. It was usually used when you're talking about grasping something as if to light it on fire. And so he grasps this man, just grabs onto him. And this was a big risk. In fact, you can almost imagine the disciples reacting and, 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 and trying to stop him maybe. It doesn't, text doesn't say that. But what we know is that in this time frame, you don't touch a leper. Because if you touch someone with leprosy, you get leprosy yourself. And at the very least, you have to go through this whole cleansing ritual to see whether or not you got leprosy, which is a whole mess of things anyway. So people just did not touch lepers. And Jesus doesn't just kind of tap, tap him and say, it's okay, buddy. No, he grasps this man. Amazing. You can almost see the disciples saying, whoa, Jesus, whoa. And he just grasps him. And what's so shocking is that what we what they thought would happen that this man's pollution would transfer to jesus is not what happened at least not in that moment what happened in that moment is jesus holiness transfers to this man this man is made clean i mean look at it what it says it says that the leprosy left him he was made clean and this is the picture this is what we need to understand this is how we need to understand not only do we need to recognize how sinful we really are but when by faith jesus is touching us we are truly cleansed our sin is removed our past sin our present sin our future sin all clean from our record and there's nothing between us and god but his love Our sin is not disgusting because it's gone. It's been cleansed. God looks at us and he sees the righteousness that his son earned. It's like, wait a second, we didn't earn that. How can we possibly have that? But that's his grace. And so emotionally too, emotionally when we, when we realize this and believe this deeply that we truly have been cleansed, all that guilt, it does leave us. We, we can celebrate. We can, we can feel free again. We can, we can know that we, 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 our shame has been gone. He, he's borne our shame on his own shoulders. And this is why we want to share the gospel. By the way, if there are any of you who are non-believers, I mean, this is why we want you to hear this. We want you to feel this. We want you to know this man, this God man who takes away guilt. We want you to know that. 
is why, as a church, we want to be proclaiming this good news to people because whether we realize it or not, they're suffering. They're suffering because they sin just like we sin. Okay, and so it's this amazing removal of our guilt and shame. And not only that, this is what's so amazing. Jesus does not simply want this man to be forgiven or to be cleansed, but he, he cares about his social situation. This is where that command comes in. Look at that command, uh, verse 43. It says he sternly charged him, and then he tells him, go straight to the priest and show him that you've been cleansed so that he can declare you clean. It, Jesus is not kidding around here. The Greek word, actually, it, it's the same word that's used if something is snorting. Okay, so Jesus kind of snorts and says, now go to the priest. Now why would he get, what, what's that all about? It shows his compassion goes beyond just somebody being cleansed, but also that they are enveloped back into community because this man had been a leper. He was probably known as a leper. And unless and until he would go to the priest and say, look, I'm clean, then he would probably always be known as a leper. He'd have a hard time shaking that reputation. But the priest, if he would go to the priest and he'd say, look at me, you know, I'm, I'm completely healed. At that point, the priest would be able to declare him clean. And if anybody ever came up to him and says, ooh, you're a leper, aren't you? I know who you are. You're a leper. He would get to say, yeah, you know what? I'm clean. I've been declared clean. And this is why Jesus saves us not only from the wrath of God, but into his church. So that Week after week, we can declare to each other that you're clean, that we're clean, that I'm clean. So we need to hear that. We need to hear that because there will be voices from our past that will point out and say, hey, weren't you, didn't you used to lie or didn't you used to do this or didn't you used to do that? And it will crush us except for the fact that we can remember, no, no, no. I've been declared clean. Somebody could come up to me, any of you now that I've told you, you could say, hey, didn't you pretty much cheat on a test in seminary? And I could say, yeah, I did. But you know what? What am I? Say it. Clean. Just like you. No matter what you've done. No matter how bad. If you believe, you are clean. And so Jesus cares not only about us uh, in our emotional state and our physical state and all these things, but also that he wants to wrap us up in his community. When Jesus touches us, when we have faith in Christ, when he is touching us, he makes us completely clean. We are completely clean. I can't say that enough. Mark says it three times. I'll say it three more. Clean, clean, clean. That is good news. How does he do it? Well, Mark shows us here uh, in the last verse. Look at that last verse. Look at it. Okay, Uh, this is what he says. He says, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and the people were coming out to him from every quarter. Now, we're talking about the power of the cross. Now, this guy was not supposed to do this. Okay, he was supposed to go to the priest and and take care of that business. But he ran off and he ran talking about Jesus. Now, to be honest, who could blame him? He wasn't supposed to do this, but I, you know, I have a hard time blaming him in this situation because he had just experienced something so amazing. But the reality is this. What we see here is a reversal uh, and what we see is that uh, we need to we need to fill out our definition even more uh, compassion, biblical compassion, cross shaped compassion is, is this. It is um, where to go here. It is sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering or misfortunes of others, followed by action, even if it means we will suffer. 
One author says it this way, true compassion is when you are the one who bears the burden and pays the price so that the other person doesn't have to. Now we're getting into true biblical Christ-like cross-shaped compassion. Because here's the situation. At the beginning of our story, you had a man who was relegated out to the desolate places. He had to be outside the city. He had to live by himself. If anybody came near, he had to even say unclean. And you had Jesus who was in the city surrounded by people, so many people, it's almost like, humanly speaking, he didn't know what to do with it. And then there's this great reversal because of what this man does after Jesus heals him, they switch places and suddenly the man is the one in town with all the people around him and Jesus is out in the desolate places. And that points us to the cross. That is a picture of the cross, that Jesus would switch places with us. That he would see our suffering, our misfortune, that he would not only feel for us, but then take action, even if it means he is to suffer. And that's exactly what he did on the cross. He felt compassionate for us. He took action. He went to the cross so that you and I could be the ones declared clean while he was the one declared to be sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. And all of our sin came off of us onto what? Onto him. And it's been nailed to the cross. That's where it is. See, I I tend to keep thinking, no, I've still got it with me. And this text and others talk about the fact that, no, it's dead on the cross. And this is the power that we have as a church and as individuals to show people the glory of Jesus. When we willingly choose to do things that will alleviate or reduce the suffering of people, whether they're suffering because of their sin or because of the sins of others, whatever it is, when we do things, when we choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to address and seek to alleviate or reduce the suffering of other people, we're giving an absolutely powerful illustration of how Christ has had compassion on us. And that's where the power comes from. It's not about just trying harder. It's about believing more and more that we really were covered in disgusting sin and he really has taken it upon himself and been punished on the cross for it. The more that we believe that, the more we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to have compassion on others, to take action so that we can alleviate the suffering of others. That is true biblical compassion. That's what the Apostle Paul was audacious enough to say that we can become when he talked about Christ being formed in us through the gospel. So here's the, 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 the exhortation. Believe this. Believe this. If you're a non-believer with us this morning, we're so glad that you're here. Believe this and begin to feel this cleansing that Jesus has provided for you. If you are a believer, let's believe it so deeply that it moves us. So that we are moved physically with pity, with compassion to reach out and serve people that are in need and give incredible demonstrations of the mercy of God in Christ. And we will watch then and see how powerful it is. I want to challenge you. I want you to think about this. Uh, I want you to think about people in your neighborhoods and your networks and your school there's got to be someone that you know you can probably think about them right now someone that you know has some type of need don't don't leave here without choosing that i'm going to do something to address that need if you've got nothing or if you want to include the christmas offering in it all these little babies that we would love to see saved through the ultrasound machine at the very least we can give towards that we can do something do something
Because the beautiful thing is then you get to watch Christ work through you. Which only helps you understand how Christ's work on the cross was for you. And that just changes us over and over again. Let's pray. Father, we do confess that we have very often walked around with an unbiblical definition of compassion. And we confess that we are capable of helping people in need more. But we need to be, we need you to clean us. We need you to, to, to help us, to uh, give us the strength, give us the courage. Make us like you, willing to sacrifice and suffer so that others don't have to. It's only going to happen by your grace. And so we ask for that. And then we, in advance, we praise your holy name that you might do things, that you might use us to demonstrate the gospel in our city and around the world. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want your name exalted everywhere. So we pray that you will do just that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.